you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and a lifelong fan of Missouri Tigers football and basketball and as a lifetime fan and a long-time, decades-long season ticket holder. Well, I've got an update for all of you when it comes to what the ticket selection process looks like and also, well, the first game against the Alabama Crimson Tide. A lot of people are upset about that draw, thinking this is the worst thing that could have ever befallen young Eli Drinkwitz and his Missouri Tigers. But you know what? We're going to take a trip back to 1975 today and look at with the, the the anatomy of an Alabama upset in week one just might look like. Oh, yes. Some of you know where I'm going. 1975, Birmingham, Alabama, Monday night. Yeah, you probably remember. But many of you in this audience, I'm sure, don't. So that'll be a fun little trip down memory lane. But first, let's start with the modern stuff. Despite the fact that, well, still no access to practice, still no media access with Eli Drinkwitz or any of the players as far as I can tell. So you know what? Like a running back dancing around in the backfield, I'm going to run for daylight one way or the other, by golly. So let's get this thing going. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And on Tuesday, the Missouri Tigers are going to keep try to keep Eli Drinkwitz, his whole staff, they're recruiting momentum. That 2021 class is looking really good. So we're trying to keep that going into 2022, obviously. And on Tuesday, coaches could officially start contacting these 2022 prospects. And among the guys we know that have been reached out to, so far Missouri has reached out to three defensive backs, two corners and a safety, an offensive lineman, and also a quarterback. So really nothing too terribly notable there other than just obviously still looking for more defensive backs, despite the fact that, well, frankly, the last two classes have looked pretty darn strong in terms of defensive backs so far. But hey, I guess with everybody going to the air raid style offense these days, the more defensive backs, the better. And certainly the more pass rushers, the better as well. Certainly Missouri, something Missouri would like to improve upon is its front four pressure this follow this coming season and going forward. Now, obviously, among those guys I kind of speculated with those high school kids, the biggest name to keep an eye on, at least from my perspective, is always going to be the quarterback, right? Generally, Missouri's probably going to take one quarterback in each class. There may be an exception to that, but the one they're looking at right now is a kid from Georgia named Sam Horn. Now, he's a tall, lanky, extremely young-looking kid, as you might expect. Um, Every year, these kids get younger to me, I swear. I get older, and they get younger. It's not fair. But the thing about Sam Horn is he's probably going to play baseball, too, almost certainly. He's a strong pitcher as well. And you know what? That's one of those things you hope that almost reduces his recruiting shine a little bit because sometimes I think – Sometimes the blue blood programs will shy away from a kid who insists 
on playing a second sport like baseball or what have you. But obviously, as we've seen with Patrick Mahomes, as we've seen with Kyler Murray, yeah, those guys, they can tend to make it work, especially at that quarterback position. So Sam Horn, just an interesting name to keep your keep an eye on moving forward with 2022 recruiting. Now we've covered LSU receiver Jamar Chase opting out of the 2020 season and also even more recently Jamie Newman the expected starting quarterback for Georgia has opted out of the year but so far no Missouri Tigers have opted out but clearly that that decision by any individual player could happen at any time and for his part Eli Drinkwitz said in August that quote if you tell me you want to opt out I have your back If you tell me you want to play, I have your back. And frankly, what else is he supposed to say? In this this climate, and frankly, just to be a decent human being, it's understandable that, you know, everybody's got a different position. Everybody has a different situation. Everybody has different relatives with different levels of health. So, frankly, that's a pretty easy one. But on the other hand, there's obviously the other big topic of the day, right, which is anti-racism, and police brutality. Well, on the Jim Rome show, Eli Drinkwitz was saying, back in, you know, talking very briefly just about the 2015 stuff at Missouri, basically, he doesn't see things that way. He doesn't see any any carryover from any, any bad feelings from 2015. It's a new day. But also, he said, quote, It's not about saying our country is not great. It's just saying, let's get better. And frankly, that's a platitude, right? That is a platitude in a statement. That doesn't really mean anything, which sounds critical. I'm actually not being critical. I think that's what Eli Drinkwitz and just about every coach in the country has to do to some extent. They have to thread that needle. And by thread the needle is obviously number one, If the majority of their players are behind something, especially something that's as sensitive and serious as as the topics that we've discussed here, well, he's got to stand behind them. On the other hand, he doesn't want to appear to be being anti-America or anti-police, for instance, at least in the perception of of people, because guess what? That isn't going to go over with a lot of members of the fan base. So again, just a delicate little walk that he's got to make and a needle that he has to thread. And really my only point in bringing that up is that on top of the fact that with COVID-19, we barely had any spring practice, obviously just tremendously different circumstances involving this entire fall camp, a challenge to put in a new offense for any new coach, quite honestly, just With all that, and on top of everything I just said before about anti-racism and sort of having to thread that needle with a lot of very controversial and sensitive topics, all I'm saying is it's not exactly the easiest year to be a rookie coach in the SEC. But the good news is I definitely have something that's going to make your life easier, and that's rockauto.com. Because here's the thing. I don't know about you. I'm not exactly Mr. Gearhead or wrencher or anything like that. So when I go in to a chain front store 
any kind of auto parts store, even a dealership, I always feel a little bit intimidated. Because I feel like all those people, the professionals, well, they have all the good information. And and whereas I'm just the idiot customer who's just trying to save face and try to at least appear to be a little bit masculine, right? But that's why I love shopping at rockauto.com. Because guess what? I'm anonymous, and I get to be behind the safety of my big, fat computer monitor or my smartphone. And frankly, that's how I like it these days and how most of us like it these days. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your vehicle, and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. One interesting note that I stumbled upon recently is that Jed Fish is now the quarterback's coach for the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Now, if you don't remember Jed Fish, that name doesn't ring a bell. Well, allow me to refresh your memory because before Derek Dooley was frankly taken mostly out of nowhere, was chosen out of nowhere, at least according to the Mizzou beat, as Barry Odom's offensive coordinator, it was widely assumed that Jed Fish was going to be the next guy. So obviously I think Derek Dooley, most of us feel like Derek Dooley did a pretty solid job with Drew Locke and that offense in 2018 before, well, frankly, in 2019, the bottom fell out of the boat. But because now Jed Fish is, again, now quarterback's coach with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it might be tempting to go, oh man, Barry Odom really messed up there, and golly gee, if he'd have just kept, if he'd have just hired Jed Fish instead of Derek Dooley, well, then maybe things would have been way better for his whole career and also, most importantly, the 2019 season. Maybe he would have avoid, avoided being fired then. Well, frankly, again, I thought Dooley did a bad job in 2019, so maybe Fish could have improved on that and won another game or two and saved Barry Odom's job. I could definitely see that. On the other hand, Jed Fish, the type of guy, well, it seems he's got – a bit of a wandering eye. Maybe the old grasses greener analogy isn't always greener on the other side. Well, maybe he believes in that. Maybe he does like that new fresh grass on the other side of the fence because other than from 20, 2004 to 2007 with the Baltimore Ravens, since he began his career, this 44-year-old guy in 1997, he's never stayed more than two years at one job and he's jumped all over the NFL the college game the whole deal so the idea that Jed Fish would still be here even if he did a good job with Barry Odom in 2019 and somehow saved his job well I think the idea that Jed Fish would still be here there's frankly nothing in his history to suggest that he would be loyal to a program like the Missouri Tigers so I don't know. I don't think we really missed anything, missed out on a whole lot there is my point. Because again, 2018, the offense was definitely not the problem. And moreover, ultimately, I'm happy with the coach we currently have. Now again, we're in the the honeymoon phase with Eli, as I've said many times. So we'll see what happens once the drudgery 
of a long, long marriage really sets in. And one more quick basketball-related take before we get to our 1975 Alabama game. The New Jersey Nets. No, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets. That shows how old I am. I'm still calling them New Jersey. But the Brooklyn Nets are keeping Jacques Vaughn. Remember him? Well, he's not going to be their head coach. He's going to be their lead coach. Yes, former Kansas Jayhawk Jacques Vaughn staying on as the highest paid assistant in the NBA. But instead, Steve Nash, the NBA great, former two-time MVP, is going to be the Brooklyn Nets' new head coach. Now, what does this have to do with Missouri, you're probably asking yourself. Well, frankly, I'd be a little upset or at least confused as to what I have to do to try to move up the ranks. If I were a guy like Trayvon Bryant, I remember Trayvon, former Missouri Tiger under Quinn Snyder, frankly an underrated forward at this point, I would say. Well, Trayvon is now an assistant for the Brooklyn Nets and a guy who's really worked his way up the ranks. And frankly, I'm a little skeptical of the Nash hire. Now, don't get me wrong, Steve Nash, an impressive guy, smart guy to be sure, knows basketball. Obviously, you know, from knowing what I know about his situation with the Golden State Warriors, his job there, I know Kevin Durant approves of this hire. That's just an obvious statement. But it's really hard, man, to put a brand new guy like that in that situation. But frankly, it would have been hard for a guy like Trayvon Bryant, too. And by a new guy, I mean a guy with no coaching experience like Nash. But Trayvon Bryant also never been a head coach, too. But maybe he could have been a guy like Eric Spolstra, a guy who appears to have who had put in all the dues, is what I'm trying to say. Worked his butt off, worked his way up the ranks. And obviously it ended up working out for Eric Spolstra. He not only survived and thrived under the LeBron Wade era, but he's now doing really well with the current Miami Heat, up 2-0 against Milwaukee and the Bucks. So if you're Trayvon Bryant, keep your head up. I think you'll get a job someday, pal. But anyway, after the break, what can Mizzou do to beat Alabama in 2020? Well, maybe 1975 can give us a bit of a template right after this. Well, in 2020, if you're in the SEC, almost every single game, and in fact, I think literally every single game Missouri played last year was on national television. But to say the least, back in 1975, that was not the case. And the more games you could get on national television, I mean, that was just a massive recruiting advantage that anybody could have. Even for a blue blood team like the Alabama Crimson Tide, that hadn't lost a regular season game in two seasons. Well, in 75, Bear Bryant decided, along agreeing with probably ABC, that they wanted to play a Monday night football game. And who else, who would who would take them up on that offer? Well, none other than Al Onofrio's Missouri Tigers. Because guess what? In this era, Uncle Al and the Tigers, they played anybody, anytime, anywhere. Now the Crimson Tide came into this opener ranked number two in the nation, probably pretty close to where the 2020 Tide are, right? Winners of again 22 straight in the regular season. They only had their 73 and 74 campaign spoiled with bowl losses to Notre Dame. 
Missouri came in unranked, but despite all of that that I've just laid out for you, Missouri started the game forcing Alabama to go three and out and then marched it into the end zone for a touchdown. They also scored on four of their five first possessions overall. And by the end of the first half, it was 20 to nothing Missouri. A absolutely thorough domination of one of the most dominant teams of the 1970s. Alabama would finally score with about 10 and a half minutes left in the game as Richard Todd's 14-yard pass actually was deflected by a Missouri defender only to land in the hands of Ozzie Newsom in the end zone for the only score of the game for the Crimson Tide. And yes, that's the same Ozzie Newsom who's an NFL Hall of Famer and currently the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens where he is not only one of the only minorities at that position in the NFL, well, he's one of the best, too, quite honestly. We can see what he's done with that roster over the last 15, 20 years or so. In that dominant first half, Tony Galbraith, running back from Missouri, had a Herculean 19 carries for 89 yards. Overall for the game, he had 32 carries for 120, but obviously... It was that first half that really set the tone. On the other side of the football, Alabama, for this whole season and leading up to it, you know, Bear Bryant was known for defense, but, boy, they really started to even peak even further with the advent of the fairly new wishbone offense at the time. But you know what? Old Uncle Al Onofrio and his defense held that wishbone to just 118 total yards on the game for the Crimson Tide. But you know what? Lest you think Alabama was a paper tiger, pardon the pun, well, that wasn't true at all because that was the only game Alabama would lose that season. And in fact, they outscored their opponents over those next 11 games, including a bowl victory in the Sugar Bowl over Penn State, outscoring their opponents 367-52 to in games that didn't include the Missouri Tigers. Also of note, Tim Gibbons hit field goals of 44 and 46 yards, which were the longest of his career. And certainly at the time, those were really, really long field goals. You really didn't get into the 1980s until field goal kicking actually got half decent, honestly. According to newspapers at the time, when it was over, the students piled into the quad on the Mizzou campus, shot off fireworks, Marching Mizzou showed up for the whole thing. An impromptu parade spilled into downtown. Somebody etched into concrete, Missouri 20, Alabama 7, 9, 8, 75. After the game, Bear Bryant said, they kicked the hell out of us. What more can I say? I think we were pretty fortunate not to be beaten worse. They beat us worse than the score indicates. All in all, It was a good old sound country beating. And it certainly was, and the nation was so impressed with said country beating that the Tigers would jump from unranked all the way up to number five in that next poll. According to Rock M Nation here, after wins over Illinois and Wisconsin, Mizzou fell to number 12 Michigan, beat number 14 Oklahoma State, then lost to number 12 Colorado, number three Nebraska, and number six, Oklahoma. An exhausted 42-24 loss at Kansas 
wrapped up a, tan- a tantalizing but terribly disappointing 6-5 and five season. The next year, Mizzou would beat both number 2 Ohio State, number 3 Nebraska, and number 8 Southern Cal, and once again finish 6-5. and five. No bowl game for Missouri in 1975 either, by the way. So, my goodness. You hear a lot about that famous 1978 season. It almost gets overlooked, the kookiness of that 75 and 76 season. At least in my brain, those two years get a little bit overlooked because of 78. But again, the following year, Missouri beat number two Ohio State, number three Nebraska, number eight USC, only to finish six and five for the second consecutive year. Again, you can see why back in the day, these college kids playing that that kind of brutal schedule without the kind of modern training, modern medicine, all that good stuff. You can see why by the end of the season that Missouri defense in 75, for instance, the one that held Alabama to without a point the first three quarters was giving up 42 to Kansas by the end of the year. When you take a longer look back at it, the little bit wider of a lens that history and hindsight provides us, you start to think, oh, gee, maybe that's why Missouri had some up-and-down results at that point. Also makes you wonder, what is this 10-game SEC gauntlet going to look like in 2020? Because Lord knows I don't envy the training staffs or any of these young men with that gauntlet coming up ahead of them. But you know what? The point of this whole exercise was to give you hope for that first game of 2020. And if there is one thing I've learned over the years, it's that first games can be a little bit wonky. And certainly, no first game was much more wonky than this one. An absolutely dominating Alabama team, a team that was dominating for years, gets absolutely dominated by what was a good, but hard to argue great, Missouri Tigers of 1975. So, until Saturday. That's right. We're coming back to you on Saturday for Kyron Montgomery's possible commitment to Missouri. So we'll either have a new best friend from Indianapolis or a new sworn enemy. Either way, we'll find out. Next time, right here on Locked on Mizzou.